You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for being with us once again. Such was the case with Napa County Clerk Assessor Registrar Recorder John Tudor. His family property was under siege, and he and his son-in-law and parts of the family would move toward the fire and take it on when everyone else was moving away. The Mercury News recently did a story about it, and it is my pleasure to have John here to tell us this story. John Tudor, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, as it's always. It's good to have you here. We're not going to talk about uh, elections or anything else like that right now. Or reassessment. Or reassessment. We might touch on that a that little would bit be towards good the, at end. the end. But I want to first hear about how the fire came to you, I mean, beginning Sunday night when, uh, when this thing first started. Well, we could see the fire in the distance up on Soda Canyon. This is the Atlas Fire on right. the east side of the valley, and we could see it starting um, around, must have been 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, sheriff's deputies came up the road with their loudspeakers on, and we live at half a mile beyond the end of the public road. I went out to talk to them and told them that we'd alert our neighbors behind us because they were telling us that a mandatory evacuation was in place. Strangely enough, our son-in-law had picked up his wife, our daughter, and the two grandkids from the airport. They got in at 1 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, got to the ranch, had about 20 minutes to turn around, and we evacuated. They were already packed. Yes, right. We evacuated my wife and our granddaughter and grandson and our daughter, and our son-in-law and myself stayed behind to see what was going on. And our son-in-law reached out to many of his young strapping friends. Uh, He's in the construction business and also a fisherman, so he knows people from all walks of life. And seven or eight of them showed up carrying hoses and uh, being ready to work. And so about a little after 3 o'clock, maybe 4 o'clock in the morning, the fire burned through the ranch. So we're sitting in the middle of 1,300 acres of wildland. And the fire burned up the east side of the ranch across a big canyon from our houses. And we were fighting. We were wetting down our son-in-law and daughter's house uh, with, you know, a lot of wetting down the decks and the roof and everything. When the fire came by, uh, we started to evacuate. We knew we had an exit route, so we weren't being totally stupid. Uh, We knew we had an exit route that was clear down to Green Valley Road and out. And if necessary, we have a lake we could have all jumped into and with nothing around it to burn. So we we had safe uh, harbor there if needed. But we started to evacuate because of the heat. We could feel the heat, you know, three or 400 yards away across the canyon, these 50-foot flames as the whole hillside went up. But then it went past, and we decided to come back. And fortunately, we did, because the fire then burned through the canyon, down one side and up the other, and came up underneath uh, our son and daughter, son-in-law and daughter's house. Fortunately, two things. One, our power stayed on, so we had water during this whole— we've never lost power at any point in this whole wow. event— <clears throat> and the second thing— And then, when you say the water stood on, you're on a well, I assume, well, there. So and the pump kept the working, right. Uh, and then the wind shifted to behind us, blowing towards the fire instead of the other way around. So the fire slowed down, stopped igniting the entire tree, just burned underneath it. And so our son-in-law and his friends and I were able to get down and manage the fire as it burned up through grass. And, of course, I think the key here, Jeff, is that we— 
been living here for two-thirds of a century. We know about fire. It's never burned like this before in all that time. But we know we have the cows out around the houses eating for three months before fire season. We weed eat everything around the houses. Around some of the houses, it's mostly dirt because we leave the animals, the horses, and the cattle come in and take out all the grass. So there is defensible space around the houses. A lot of defensible space around the houses to begin with. And our son-in-law had done all of that early on. So we were able, the fire, when it got near his and our daughter's house, was low in intensity and low in the ground. But still, if it had kept coming, you never can tell what would happen. Mm -hmm. The other fortunate thing was there were no embers. It was actually pretty cold that morning. It must have been in the high 40s or low 50s. And so we got a lot of ash, but we didn't get a lot of embers because the fire itself was across the canyon. And when it shifted to come up underneath the houses, it was at a lower intensity. If if the wind hadn't shifted, that was the one thing I came away with from the, the Mercury News article. If the wind hadn't shifted when it did, would all the work and all the effort with the hoses and everything else have been for naught? Probably we still would have been able to save the houses because the other thing that protected us was neighbors way down the canyon uh, took tractors and made a fire break to stop the fire from jumping the creek below us. So the fire didn't burn up that side of the hill until it got up to us, and therefore it didn't have that whole momentum that it would have had of just whooshing up. It did burn that area Uh later, but it was lower intensity. So the wind was helpful. The power was helpful. uh, The fact that we'd done defensible space was helpful. So when it looked like we had the fire pretty well controlled at our son and daughter-in-law's, son-in-law and daughter's house, I took off to see what had happened to the cattle which were in the back of the ranch. Uh And fortunately, cowboys from the neighboring ranch had seen our herd trapped between the fire and a fence. But the fire, again, they'd been in there eating for a couple of months, so the fire was very low intensity, I mean, literally six to eight inches high. And the cowboys drove them across the fire. And once they were on the burn side, first of all, it wasn't hot because it was a low-intensity fire. It was just little bits of burned grass, and they weren't stepping on hot coals. Once they were across the fire, they were fine. So when I got back from checking the cows and seeing some of them made my heart jump that they were okay. I didn't know about the cowboys until the next day. Uh, I came back. And at that point, the fire had burned around again, crossed one of the roads, and was coming towards our house, my wife's and our house. And so a couple of the guys came up, and we fought it. We had two things that we will never do again. One, we had a pile of yard clippings, fortunately over a rock wall and about 60 feet of dirt from the house. And then there was a tree that had been downed a couple of years ago that we'd left cut up down there. Those burned with some intensity, but again, with the water and the wind being in our favor, they didn't get through the rock wall. One of the pine trees, which wasn't near the house, it must be 30 to 40 yards away, caught on fire, but then it was extinguished. It went out by itself. So, again, we were able to save all of our structures. The horses stood on their dirt in their uh, big corral and watched. And then the fire burned around the other side of us. So 
we, they watched it burn up through the hills, but in the hills on that side, this is now on behind us on the west side west of side, us, right. it was heavily oak woodland, and the fire never took off. It burned everything, but mm-hmm. it stayed low intensity, just took out the underbrush. The trees will all survive, and, you know, by next spring or at least a spring and a half from now, you'll probably see much like it was before the Mm -hmm. fire. How strong was the wind at this point? Actually, we never got those hurricane winds that were talked about up on Soda Canyon and at Silverado Country Club Mm -hmm. and up on the Tubbs Fire in Calistoga. Um, They must have been 20 to 30 mile an hour But you didn't get the 60, 70 mile an hour winds. And when the winds died down, fortunately, as the sun started to come up, it was really funny at one point, I said, oh, my goodness, the bombers are coming, I thought. It wasn't the bombers. It was the noise of the fire burning across from us, across the canyon. It made that much noise. It sounded like huge bombers coming in to drop their load. Mm. Now, unfortunately, the fire burned past us and burned up a couple of our neighbors' homes behind us on another ranch. Their cattle were okay. There was an unburned place that they stayed down by a lake that they have. So they lost four of their eight residences, but two of their guys against my uh, guidance walked back in and fortunately were able to save one of the four houses in this cluster they have. Um, And they told a story that one of the huge helicopters, the freight-carrying helicopters, not with a bucket but with a hose, they have a huge suction hose. Sucks it right up. And they go into the lake and fill themselves up and then come back over, and they dump 10,000 gallons of water right on them. They were on the roof of the house, which worked. It didn't, and it took out the fire next to them, so they were able to save that one house. When they came to evacuate early on, you just said we're not leaving. I mean, they talk didn't about ask. I mean, right. they were in a rush to get to other people. Right. So I and they knew who I was. So I right. said I'll take care. And so I called the neighbors. We had a phone chain. They all left. Uh, fortunately, because some of them, when that intense fire came through, could have been uh, in danger. They left, and then, of course, as I said, I asked, and our daughter and the grandkids took the three dogs and the three kittens, and so we didn't have to worry about them. Right. And that, and then we weren't concerned. We knew we'd done the defensible space we could do. Uh, we were up on the top of the, the ridge. We weren't on a ridge. We were partway down a ridge, and we had the canyon on one side. So I think it was a rational decision to try and see if we could uh, stop the fire, and we did. If, if you had evacuated, if you had done nothing, what would have happened, do you think? We probably would have lost everything. Yeah. Because even though we didn't see many embers, uh, without us being there and watching, it could have. And you know, we had the defensible space in such good condition that at one point the fire burned past our son-in-law and daughter's house and stopped because there was nothing for it to burn. It hit dirt, and dirt doesn't burn. Right. You know. The other thing I say is, you know, the ranch should burn. This is California wildland. It's a fire ecology. It's just not once every hundred years. And we did a controlled burn in exactly this area with. Cal Fire back in 1997 hmm. burned 450 acres of um, the chemise and the chaparral, 
uh, it came back, and of course it was 20 years back, right. so it burned. But again, it'll all recover. When the fire first started, were you surprised at, at where it came to? I mean, one of the things that, that people have said is when it first started, particularly in the Atlas Peak area, another fire in Atlas Peak, they'll get it out. It, you know, we've been here before. Well, I when the, I think we were watching it, mm-hmm. but we realized that there was nobody fighting it because right. of the intensity of the fire when the sheriff's deputies came up the road. And at that point, we said, no, this is going to be serious. We didn't expect it to just go away. Right. And, of course, everyone's resources, the fire suppression resources, were so spread thin that we didn't see uh, any – well, the one helicopter was working behind us, but I think it was sort of just he was out scouting around to see what he could do. There was no concerted effort uh, right, available. Right, at that point, no. Because they were – where could they go? There were three major, almost four major fires burning simultaneously all around the county. Then the next couple of days, we did have a strike team from Los Angeles, one at each of our houses. The truck stayed there. Um, as I said to them, we're pretty much safe. We've now got 5,000 acres of defensible space. Yeah, but, right. but it was reassuring to have them there. And um, then they took off and went to higher needs, which, of course, was the Tubbs fire burning down into Santa Rosa and the Nuns fire coming around and taking out Stornetta's dairy. So there was no – you had no damage, really, no animals injured, none of the cattle? No. no we were very, very fortunate. I mean, some hard work and good luck. The one thing we – our water storage tanks, which were full of water, melted. They were plastic. Mm. Uh, and – Fortunately, we got a hold of our pump guy before anybody else did, not because we got any preference. Nobody else had called him yet, and he came up and put in a backup system for us, so we've got water, and we never lost power, as I said. Right. Did you have generator power if you needed it for the pump? We didn't. We will next time, right. And we didn't have a gas-powered pump which we now own, because mm-hmm. f- there's a swimming pool at right. our son-in-law and daughter's house, and they use that after a few days to keep wetting things down so that there was no possibility of anything restarting. Right. I mean, it's amazing that you had that the power stayed on. Yeah, that was the the most fortunate thing. Even without water, I think with, you know, we had enough shovels and rakes and strong young bodies to help us take out, you know, to push the fire back. It never got, I mean, it got within a maybe 20 yards of our house and within 15 yards of our son-in-law and daughter's house. Now, they were all strong and young. What were they telling you? Go away. We'll take no, care of this. They, they didn't make me evacuate. I I did my share of the work, not as much as they did. but uh, And then I had, you know, some background in watching fires, so I asked a couple of the young guys to do certain tasks, which mm-hmm. was good they did because they cleared some vegetation from one area that we didn't have yet fully defensible they cleared that vegetation and they stopped they made a you know a small hand dug fire break around one other part of the buildings which helped and at what point in in the chronology of events monday tuesday what point did you feel safe that you felt that everything was going to be okay up there um we brought everyone back at four o'clock on monday afternoon Uh, as i said we were surrounded by five thousand acres of moonscape 
Um, and things were relatively normal from then on. I mean, our son-in-law continued to be very alert and watching, right. you know, things. I had to get into the office, of course, because as county assessor, we have a whole bunch well, of Well, that calamity. was my, my question to you is <clears throat> that what obligations did you have either with, for the county, with EOC, et cetera? What, what, what was your role in that? Well, I was the plans chief for the EOC for 20 years, but I retired, right. fortunately, in 2014 from that job, not from my assessor job, which I hope the voters will return me to for many more terms. Um, so I didn't have any direct responsibility there. Now, in Sonoma County, the fire burned right down by their offices. As you know, they're right, right next to Kaiser Hospital, and Kaiser lost <laughs> the building, not the hospital, right. fortunately. So they didn't have any offices for two days. And they lost 6,000 structures. We're in the 500 right. to 600. So it's a much greater catastrophe there. Much greater. And, I mean, it burned out of wildland and into urban areas, right. essentially. And so I was in touch. I didn't have any cell contact our landline kept working so i talked checked in with the office around two o'clock my first priority was home of course and then i was in tuesday morning uh, and we got started ramping up to get ready to reach out to people who's lost their homes which we've already taken in over 200 applications we're down at the local assistance center right and uh, we're going to do a mass mailing early next week to everyone whose home we know was destroyed but who hasn't yet registered with us. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the family, is there trauma after all of this? How has everyone dealt with it? How has everyone recovered? Well, I think once, it, you know, it's funny. What really hit me was I was coming home, I guess, last Thursday night. Not this Thursday. Maybe it was Tuesday night. And I looked up and saw the whole ranch black, mm -hmm. which I've never seen before. You know, we've had fires in the 50s and a small one in the 60s. But to see the whole ranch black, black sort of rang my bell a little bit. But, no, we've all – I mean, we're. it's normal where we are. Right. It's just you drive through this blackened area. And, of course, we had PG&E. There's a big transmission line, not a steel tower line, but a pole line that runs through the property. And so they were out – uh, repairing that with helicopters. They flew the poles back into areas they couldn't get with their trucks. Mm. And uh, so that was a fascinating thing to watch. They were wonderful. And, of course, the fire department kept coming in and checking right. things. What are your concerns, if any, about the winter and rains? Well, I've been following the advice that we're getting from both the Cooperative Extension, the Napa County Resource Conservation District, the United States Department of Agriculture, Natural Resource Conservation Service. And all of them are saying the, the place you need to worry about is where the soil's been disturbed, not just burned. Mm -hmm. So, of course, PG&E had to bring some big bulldozers in to dig the holes to put the poles in from the helicopter. So they've... But, we're on solid rock pretty much up there. Right. And so I expecting you won't know they're there in 10 years. It'll just sort of blend back into the background. They, they did cut a fire break at the back end of the ranch, which saved the city of Vallejo property, which is further to the east hmm. of us and up by the Vallejo Lake. Some of that burned through, but they saved a portion of it. Of course, those bulldozers just fill in the creek to get across they then came back cal fire has a whole uh, remediation team that comes in they brought in a big excavator and dug out the creek again so it's not dammed up where the bulldozer mm -hmm. went through 
But there will be some remediation there. We are going to have a visit from the Napa County Resource Conservation District on November 2nd. But to answer your question, most places they say don't do anything and wildland burns. And as I said, except in a few areas where the fire was very intense, like across from our homes, Mm The trees look like they'll recover. It was pretty much the understory and mm. the debris that burned out. And so I'm not expecting to have. Interestingly enough, Cal Fire also has a watershed uh, danger team, which I met, um, I guess, Wednesday night just outside the mm-hmm. ranch. They, I told them they didn't need to come up because their map showed that we didn't have a house right under a steep slope. But they were looking for homes that could be in danger from mudslides or mm-hmm. other on a steep slope. So um, they're out there and looking, and of course, other agencies are mobilizing to do that. The other big issue, of course, coming up is de- debris removal. I don't know if you've covered that, but of course, our melted water tanks, they were right. plastic. Uh, so we're going to work with the county, unlike somebody's home, which needs thank goodness we're not in that situation, who will also need to work with the county. But the um, U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and the California Environmental Protection Agency are actually bringing teams in who will inspect all of the damage. Do we still have a U.S. EPA? Well, not (laughs) Not much left. Not much. uh, And they're bringing teams in for a couple of weeks or months to actually inspect everything Hmm. so that – and they'll – pay for people who are underinsured or didn't have insurance hopefully there aren't very many of those the the state of california will pay to pick up the debris and take it to a correct site and they'll do it and then any property owner also has the ability to hire a private contractor to do it in that case they they come into the county with their cleanup plan get a permit to do it which will be expedited but that's at the expense of the property owner normally covered by insurance what did you learn in terms of the property that uh, you will do before this happens again well, as I said to our son and da- son-in-law and daughter, we won't have to worry about this for twenty-five well, that's years, right? True. But they might. Yeah, they, they will. The grandkids will. I'm sure. Let's hope it burns more often and less intensely over the years. But there wasn't really a lot. I mean, we did. I'm, I'm never going to put garden clippings over that rock wall again. But, you know, we're going to maintain the same practices we've maintained in the past. I've hiked over most of the ranch now. Our grandson and I went out on uh, last Sunday or Saturday and hiked down the canyon and up the other side and to see. And there's still some smoldering uh, Hmm. logs and things out there, but everything's burned around them, so they're not much of a danger. Right. And so I don't think there's really a lot. I'll be interested to see how the ranch recovers. I mean, as I said, we did a controlled burn that worked in February of 97. It's gone now. So I'm expecting in 2027 or 2037 it'll this be This was back. just an uncontrolled burn. That's right. <laughs> yes. Talk a little bit about your conflict, if there was any, taking care of your property, knowing you had work to do in the county, wanting to get back there. Talk a little bit about that. Well, on Monday, it's clear where my priority was. But the other thing is I've got such an incredible team working with me that I knew they were taking care of whatever needed to be taken care of there. Uh, One of our jobs is to provide uh, damage estimates to the uh, Emergency Operations Center. 
And as soon as we started getting the list of destroyed properties, we were able to produce that. The first one we produced was for $86 million, and that's just the assessed values of the structures Mm -hmm. that we had at the time. That wasn't the complete list. That number for the assessed value, remember, that's not the current market value because a lot of those homes were 30 years old and have an old Proposition 13 base year value. Our current working figure is $470 million of assessed value that's been destroyed. most houses were destroyed. There are some that were damaged, but most houses were destroyed. Yeah, there so. was no in-between. Either they were saved like yours or they were, they're gone. Yeah, there's about 60, I think, that had severe damage, but there's still something left to save. Uh, so that's – and our other job didn't really get going until later. I mean, I was back in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, but – our big job started, the local assistance center didn't open until Monday, so we were staffing that. And, of course, I talked to a number of people personally who'd lost their homes, friends and Mm -hmm. other people I didn't know. And, you know, the nicest thing about that, Jeff, was that when they heard that they could defer their property taxes, as long as their mortgage company didn't pay them, and they don't have to worry about that tax bill that burned up in the house, right, and that they'd get their Proposition 13 base year value back, They walked out of the office and said to me, you know, that's the first good news I've had since this happened. And that's a relief not to have that, you know, Mm -hmm. burden on my shoulders of worrying about my property tax bill. They will get a property tax bill, but it'll be a couple of months down the road and there won't be any house to pay on. It'll just be their land value. How did the Mercury News article come about? Um, I don't know. Our daughter simply said that she got a call from a reporter of the Mercury News. and they Just out of the blue. Yeah, and she emailed them the pictures. Right. They're from her. And the reporter, we I didn't thought. didn't see of, you in that group picture. Where? <laughs> no, I was busy up at the other house, I think. Or maybe I was at work. But uh, no, those were, that group picture was a great uh representation of the people who were there working hard and they were all friends of our son-in-laws you know Mm -hmm. they nobody got paid we're going to do a nice thank you party as you can imagine like the community's doing for first responders there are first responders but no it was wonderful that they and one couple of people just showed up didn't know him one guy came up on his motorcycle and parked his motorcycle in a safe place and asked for a shovel and went to work you know we didn't have too many of those and i was worried that we didn't get people up who would be in danger but he seemed to know what he was doing it's going to be interesting there'll be i I suspect there'll be a demand one in generators as you were talking about but also people wanting landlines Right. All of a sudden. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody gets rid of them, and now, well, maybe it's not such a bad idea after all. No, it was amazing to not have cell service for a couple of days, as you right. know. All pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, the I think Napa Strong is a great expression. I mean, the community's done an incredible job of caring for each other and for pulling together as needed, including people like the guy who rode up to our ranch on the motorcycle and right. said, what can I do? And, and your colleagues in the county. I mean, the county did a remarkable job yeah, of the everything EOC, that, that needed to be done, the everything EOC, that could be done. The EOC opened at 10 o'clock on Sunday night, and all most of what they could do for the first part of it was watch. You know, the fire department, uh, CAL FIRE, has its own EOC. They work independently. Right. And they got that up and and staffed very quickly as well. Well, we're glad everybody's all right, and I thank you for sharing the story. My pleasure. John Tudor, thanks so much. Thanks for listening. 
to NapaBroadcasting.com. Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.